0: Welcome to Board Women, a podcast that explores the world of women and confidence through the lens of board sports. This is about finding time for you and reconnecting with the joy and adventure in your life. I'm the founder Caroline Keelock, and I'll be speaking to women in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond who are pushing the boundaries of what their bodies can achieve. We'll also feature confidence coaches who can help us break down our fears and perimenopause experts to dig into our changing bodies and minds.
1: The feeling of a calf turn is amazing. And so for me, it's all about that flow, that rhythm, that kind of movement of your body I find incredibly
0: addictive. My guest today is Abba Newbery. We used to work together, and she went on to be Chief Marketing Officer at Habito, a challenger fintech in the world of mortgages, and also the biggest sponsor in UK skateboarding history. Skating and mortgages don't seem a natural match, but it worked. She loved the world of skating so much, she decided to give it a go. So, an amazing history of everything you've already done in the space, Abba, and I can't wait to hear more about your journey, but we have one question that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast first, and that question is... When did you last fall and how did it feel?
1: I haven't had a big slam, touch wood actually, on my skateboard for quite a long time. The last one I had was at Bay 66 in that big wooden bowl um, about a year ago. But that's partly because I've taken up surf skating, because um, you described me as a, a woman in her 40s. I'm actually now 50. Um, and I've decided that surf skating is slightly better suited to my aging limbs. That said, I fall <laughs> off my surfboard all the time and surfed in Portugal um, in April this year when it was at least overhead every day. And I spent most of the time being kind of held down and trying not to drown.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, there's been some big conditions in Portugal this year. I've had a few people. Tell me about recent trips where it's entirely terrifying but really good fun. So tell me about how Habito and skating came together, first of all, because it's definitely a very unusual marriage of brands and categories.
1: Yeah, it's a super random story, um, actually, and I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. But I guess how it happened was I was the CMO of Habito, uh, high-growth startup. Any CMO in a high-growth startup has to hustle Hustle for budget, hustle for exposure, hustle for absolutely everything. And I happened to meet James Hope Gill, who is the very new chief exec of British skateboarding. And we just got chatting, it was at some industry event. And he literally just turned around to me and said, I need a sponsor to make the national championships happen. And if the national championships don't happen, then the UK skaters won't get enough. Um, ranking points to be able to enter the Olympics and because it's going to be an Olympic sport it means I'm going to get like four hours coverage on the BBC iPlayer and the pro- I won't say the price he was offering it to me but it was so cheap I just said yes um, <laughs> because the exposure was going to be great for me so I didn't really kind of think it through and the only other thing that was, I guess, pretty relevant to it, was we had used skateboard art in our first ever poster campaign. So we'd used Jimbo Phillips, um, you know, of the eponymous Santa Cruz screaming hand, and he'd design our first set of Hello Habito posters. So whilst there was no kind of natural link beyond the creative... We definitely had the, had creativity that you could sling up on the side of a skateboard bowl and look cool. So I said yes.
0: And where did it go from there?
1: I obviously went along to the national championships, super rough and ready. I remember like literally hanging my posters myself, um, kind of on the side of some railings and thinking that the BBC must have never seen anything like this before. And then just kind of got really into the skateboard community because... I didn't really know anything about skateboarding at the time, but was amazed that skaters are so supportive of each other. They're not competitive, really. You know, competitive for landing the trick rather than competitive with each other. And everyone was banging their skateboard, you know, on the floor when anyone landed an amazing trick. It was um first time I'd met Sky Brown, um, who went on to win the championships. And it was just as a marketeer, you could just see this kind of untapped potential in the sport because... Actually, from a branding perspective, there's a lot of kind of brands that are in skateboarding or, you know, skateboarding brands like Vans, but they're not very at the grassroots level. They're not supporting the, you know, the UK national championships. They might be giving the skaters some kit, but it just felt like an area where someone could come in and make a real difference to um, skateboarding as, a, as an obsession, as a leisure pursuit, as a high performance sport however you want to describe it
0: Um, and so that's kind of why I got interested in it being more than a one-off. So talk us through some of the things that you did as a brand with skateboarding because I know you did work at that grassroots level.
1: Yeah, so I guess um, I'll give you a bit of backstory because surprisingly, skateboarding became incredibly purpose driven for us at Habitat. So our kind of founding purpose was to help people find home. And of course, your home is much more than the roof that you have over your head or what colour your front door is. It's really kind of the, the street that you live on, the people that you live next door to, where you go, where you walk your dogs, how your kids walk to school, all of that stuff. So really, it's about community. And that's exactly what skateboarding. Is about and that's what i learned very rapidly um that skateboarding happens on the streets uh outside your house or outside the school in my case the the blackbird bakery in peckham uh it happens in your park and it's an incredible community sport where anyone can kind of turn up and be made to feel welcome no one's going to laugh at you people are going to kind of help you land tricks show you how to do stuff and it just felt like there's there was this incredible link between skateboarding as the real local community sport in your park and how people feel about the homes that they live in does that make sense
0: It makes total sense. And I I love the fact that you worked with several skate parks across the UK, didn't you, to help get them back up to a standard where people could skate them and enjoy them?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the, I guess the two, the two, well, the three things that we really did in the sport were one, to do a big regeneration project. So we started with Hackney Bumps, we went to uh, Nottingham and and, and a bunch of other cities around the UK to kind of rebuild the skating infrastructure. uh, which is incredibly important and in helping make those uh, spaces as safe as possible. But also, we didn't, you know, we didn't do it as a big brand and who kind of came in and went, "Hey, we're going to make this amazing skate space." We kind of turned to the local community and said, "Well, we'll pay for it uh, and help you do it." But you know, we need your skaters, your people, um, to kind of get behind this because ultimately, we're going to be gifting this space to people like you. Um, and the second thing we did was around um having a development program um so not a heart not a kind of elite development program but more a bit like when you learned to swim and you used to get british gas badges or what, whatever it was um whoever the sponsor was it was british gas i'm sure it i was. think so yeah and so we did a five stage development program for kids to start to learn tricks and feel like they're really kind of progressing through learning skateboarding in a bit in a bit more of a structured way and what that's enabled since we did that program is there's now a kind of professional development program which is allowing more skateboard coaches to emerge and i don't know if you've seen any down at your local skateboard park there's certainly a few in Packham rye um so enabling people to kind of go through a structured program and get paid uh, for helping people to learn how to skateboard and then of course yeah the third thing was all about the national championships which we then managed to split um, into two national championships for park versus street, um, and it's continuing to grow from there.
0: So I think anyone observing this space recently will have seen that there's been lots of brands trying to kind of come in and co-opt skating, surfing, you know, these different sports. Some successfully kind of merging into those spaces, and and some not so successfully. How did you find the skating community? reacted to your brand coming into that space and what do you feel you learned from it in terms of other brands going into it
1: co-opting was my like dread word my yeah my warning word during anything that we were doing with skateboarding because that's specifically not what we wanted to do so I guess we came in quite gently as I said the first skateboard champs was pretty rough and ready and the community immediately welcomed us to us in um for uh, being the brand that allowed it to happen, which was incredibly important uh, for people. But also the kind of bravery there, like what's this financial services brand doing? You know, we're, we're not your kind of classic target for mortgages. And I guess the third thing I did was I, yeah, I gave away a bunch of skate decks um, on the national championships to kind of every kid um, who attended. And then we've kind of worked at it from there, which is, you know, to be part of the community, to be an enabler of the community, but never to kind of be the sponsor, yeah. Um, and play that kind of big corporate role. So I've always been quite in the in in the background, if if that makes sense. Rather than trying to kind of be front and center, we never ne- made any ads about skateboarding or or anything like that. It was just something we did as as one of our marketing channels.
0: No, it makes lots of sense. I think there's lots of misnomers around community and skateboarding for people who aren't in it anyway I think it's you come into it and you suddenly realize how supportive it is and how welcoming it is but I think when you're outside it it can appear like it's for those who are in and and I think actually that's a really lovely part of going through the journey of starting to do it that you realize there's so much support like you said it's not about competing with each other it's about supporting each other and I wonder if sometimes brands going into that space haven't learnt that first, haven't learnt that the community between people in the community is the thing. That's what people are there for.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it can be a bit too much about kind of tricks and influencers, and a lot of it. A lot of what you see in skateboarding is, you know, kind of TikTok type content where people have you know done the trick a hundred times and then they perfect it, and then you see that. Um, and actually, what's even more inspiring is watching that person in the skate park trying it a hundred times. The other thing that I found really interesting, and we did a bunch of research with Nottingham University, actually back in, back in the day when we were first getting involved in it, is skateboarding is is not just a community sport. It's actually it's kind of like a safeguarding. so it sounds strange because I know a lot of people think you know skateboarders look a bit grungy and they can look a bit scary and they always have tattoos but actually (laughs) skateboarding has a great reputation for driving out crime so if you take Bay 66 underneath the A40 flyover the Westway in um, London if the skateboard park wasn't there it would be full of 'er ne'er-do-goods doing whatever they do so often where skateboarding has kind of created its own community, it's kind of driving out other crime. And you certainly see cities like Bordeaux um, in France, Malmo in Sweden, which have actually really integrated skateboarding into urban planning and finding that crime has decreased across the city as a result, which is a fascinating result of like treating skateboarders as people you want in your community, not people that you're scared of being in your community.
0: That's amazing. When we spoke last time, you said that now you're going to circa 5,000, you're thinking, you know, there's an opportunity here to do for that brand with surfing, what you did with Habito and skating. So talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so circle of 5,000 is a what we call an impact investing business. And what that means is you're basically putting your pension, your savings um, into businesses that are genuinely saving the world. So not, you know, not just kind of ESG related work, but like, are, are you building a wind farm? Have you got the kind of tidal power at the heart of your enterprise? Oatly as an amazing food brand in our funds. And the problem with impact investing is that, A, no one understands what it is, and B, with anything to do with climate change or social change, in my experience, people feel like a great sense of like despair about what they can actually do, and a sort of low level of understanding as what really makes a difference, or that making a difference is kind of priced priced out for them. So buying an electric car, for example, um, is not everyone can do it, not everyone can afford the... £25,000, £30,000, it's going to cost to buy a new car. But there are things that we do understand about how we can make a difference. Recycling is one of them. And litter pickups is another one that you see people doing all the time. And so that's what we thought was really interesting. So uh, we do a lot of work uh, fishing ocean bottles or stopping ocean bottles from ever getting into the ocean. So a lot of work around the kind of sea and climate change. There's an obvious connection with surfing, uh, surfing there, and obviously surfing has, you know, w- with the incredibly powerful surfers against sewage, has an amazing reputation as a sport that's extremely environmentally friendly. Well, not extremely actually. That's a lie because surfboards and wetsuits themselves aren't great. But there are <laughs> brands like uh, Finister. We're just working with a with a surfboard maker down in Cornwall called Predan, who are really trying to now take the. Um, sport into the kind of sustainable realms so that's what we're interested in doing because we think that there's a natural connection in people's minds that is surfing and saving the planet.
0: Amazing can we talk a little bit about your personal journey with board sports so you know which did you first try and when? My personal journey with board sports makes me sound like I'm some sort
1: of you know actual person who knows what they're doing. Um, (laughs) I started surfing I'm gonna say 15 years ago I went on holiday to North Devon with my then partner who had three kids and I booked them into surf school and I just decided to join them in surf school in Croyd in North Devon it was super super fun I mean you know you get a big old massive board and you know why we were all we are all up and surfing on the kind of the first morning and so I've kind of like kept it up ever since then I'm still terrible um <laughs> I'm in a Facebook group, group actually, which is called Girls Who Can't Surf Good. Um, But I can (laughs) surf, and I love surfing. And I orientate all my holidays around surfing, if I possibly can. And luckily, I've just kind of, I think I've just bullied my eight-year-old son into being an extremely enthusiastic surfer as well. Also not good. We're both not good, uh, but we love it.
0: I think the thing with surfing, unless it's right on your doorstep, You can spend many, many, many years being a perpetual beginner, intermediate kind of surfer and just loving it and loving the journey. But I would definitely describe myself beginner, intermediate always. You know, I can comfortably, consistently get up, but I'm not going to be like a massive overhead just yet. Like I just don't do it frequently enough, but I'm trying. I'm discovering new places nearer me all of the time and trying. But it's a journey. It's a long haul. I think you embrace it. As so skating, you got into skating alongside the Habito journey. Was that when you began?
1: Yes, exactly. I felt like I had to, um, I had to give it a go. So I started with a with a longboard. Invested a whole fifty pounds um, in decathlon <laughs> on a longboard, and then obviously we had a bunch of skate decks that Jimbo Phillips had made for us at Habito. So I started to put some wheels and trucks on them. And get a bit more into kind of proper skateboarding. Although my intention was only ever to be able to skate a bowl. Never to actually be able to do a a kickflip or any tricks like that. Because at my age the fear of a broken ankle is high. And as I said at the beginning I'm now into surf skating. So I get to kind of get the best of skateboarding and surfing all in one. And how was it learning as an adult? What was your experience there like? I put really soft wheels on my skateboard <laughs> to reduce my chance of um, falling off all the time. And then obviously, because of um, doing the Habito work, I was in a lot of great skate parks. And so kind of got to bring my skateboard along and just give it a go. And everyone was always really helpful. And no one laughed at me too much. People like Lucy Adams, I don't know if you know Lucy Adams, she was really helpful and kind of getting me to like properly push off and kind of learn the basics so it's been super fun and now I don't worry at all when I go to the skate park I don't worry that people are looking at me like who's this middle-aged lady with a skateboard what now is she doing I just kind of get on with it and
0: have fun. For context for anyone listening this means that ABBA had tips from one of the best female skaters in the UK so this isn't perhaps your average journey into this sport (laughs) you had had some help by some uh, great names and what about your confidence as you've gone through that journey have you had any bumps in your confidence as you've learnt, and how have you dealt with them if so
1: I think for me I've just kind of grown in confidence and I have lots of kind of supportive groups that I'm part of where we all kind of go and skate together as well so it's quite sociable as I said I've taken a few knocks but I'm you know, I'm also that person in the skate park who's wearing all the safety protection. So, yeah, I think I've just kind of grown in confidence. I admit I've not done a big drop in yet. That's the next stage.
0: You've skated a bowl, though, haven't you? How have you got into I've the skated bowl? you just rolled, but I
1: didn't drop in. It's quite a ah. steep, bowl. so I can come. I can come quite high up the bankings, but I haven't. I haven't taken the big leap yet.
0: Yeah, I, I, that is a big leap. I haven't done that yet. Like the dropping in is a, uh, a big journey altogether. How did you find that? So for for anyone listening who's not familiar with dropping in, it's a, uh, it's when you have to have your back wheels over the coping at the top of a ramp, and then fully lean your entire weight forward to let gravity do its thing and transition onto the ramp itself. So how did you find that journey, even on the, the smaller ramps? Because for a lot of people, that's a big moment.
1: Yeah, ter- terrifying. Um, but I went to um, I went to a, a surf camp out in Portugal. I'll give them a little promo. They're called Noah's Surf Camp. Amazing. If you've got know kids. Them. They are amazing, and they've got two. They've got two little skate ramps in the hotel. And so that was my ambition was to drop in whilst I was on that week's holiday with my son. He did it. I did it. They had an amazing coach there. And yeah, it's just trusting. So in so many things about sports, sports it kind of feels unnatural to put all of your weight. Um, on your on your front foot as you're going forward down a down a ramp but yeah once you kind of trust it then it works
0: have you found as you as you've gone through steps like that like for me going through some of those seminal moments in the journey have made me think differently about other areas in my life as well because there is a different level of trust and confidence that you have to embrace as a woman who's getting a little bit older have have you found that to be the same I mean, I'm a pretty big risk taker anyway, but I guess it's just kind of
1: reconfirmed to me that that's okay. I care a lot less about what people think about me and what I look like and all of that stuff. So I used to be obsessed when I was surfing about, you know, having pictures taken of me when I'm surfing. Now I can, I just get up and enjoy it and can feel whether it's right and actually don't care what I look like. That's probably quite useful for business is is, is to not be constantly worrying You know, whether people in the room like you or, you know, you know, that sort of relentless reading the room that everyone taught you to do. Well, certainly for me in the 90s and early noughties in business, it was like, read the room, read the room. And sometimes you're so panicked about reading the room that you kind of forget the courage of your own convictions.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I do think there's something about that in the journey. I know a lot of people the first time they might have lessons somewhere like an inside skate park and then they just never, ever go to an outside one because they're worried about just rocking up and then once they've done it, it kind of breaks down a barrier that is no one cares, everyone's just doing their own thing, you just focus on you and you'll be totally fine and I think sometimes later in life people can find that difficult and getting over that is a really powerful thing.
1: Yeah I agree, I was at my local skate park the other day and um, a guy was there with his kids and he saw me skating and then he immediately called his wife to bring his skateboard down because you know it's not just not just true of of women it's true of dads as well who who you don't want to feel silly out on the board with their with their kids but you know their kids don't care no one else in the skate park cares so yeah we spent a good 2 hours skating together after that and it was great
0: oh that's so nice i remember um being at the skate park when the john lewis advert was it john lewis who did the skating dad advert that's right uh, yeah yeah and um, and when that came how many dads came down after that and would all reference it in a self deprecating way. Like, Oh God, I'm that dad in the John Lewis ad kind of thing. And, you know, just, I really felt for them that it's like, no one, no one cares. It's cool. Like everyone kind of liked that advert. Everyone's really supportive of the fact that you're skating. Like, don't you feel embarrassed about it? But it's kind of quite a sweet thing feeling that they needed to reference that that was going on and, and they felt a bit embarrassed.
1: Well yeah, it's definitely a boom time for the for, for skateboarding, right? The Don Lewis ad, being in the Olympics, Sky Brown, now Samsung um sponsoring skateboard G B. It's you know, it's got that sort of back in back in the day, snowboarding was like the kind of renegade sport, wasn't it? Wasn't it? And then it's like you couldn't go to a ski resort anywhere in the world and not be like packed full of snowboarding it was like the thing that everyone was doing and it feels like skateboarding hopefully um is on that is on that journey without it kind of ruining the kind of culture of of uh, of the sport or the lifestyle whatever you want to call it
0: yeah absolutely agree and that is important right that it's not that young people still want to come into it and it doesn't lose all of that cachet because the rest of us 40 something so suddenly embracing it at the same time I'm all I'm always conscious about that with my son that it's like will he still continue to love it as he goes into his teens if his mum is still doing it with him <laughs> like so always a balance how has your relationship with your son been affected by skating and you having that as a joint interest <laughs> when
1: you say as a joint interest uh my other half would say well you've made him like it <laughs> um yeah it's been great and we actually get to Kind of go uh, spend a bit of time together. Sometimes uh, by ourselves, we'll just we'll just head into the car um, and either go surfing down in North Devon. Uh, we always take our surf skates with us, so that's a kind of really nice bonding time. I think it's good for his confidence to kind of be doing something that it's fun but he also he doesn't feel like he needs to go to the skate park by himself he can come with me and he actually had a skateboarding birthday party for his last birthday which was amazing because um, he also then kind of like felt like the the cool guy at school who was helping everyone learn how to skateboard and now's got a little gaggle of mates down at the skate park and we uh, we even skateboard to to school um in the mornings <laughs> we must look ridiculous but it's super fun it's like a nice downhill slope like a 3 minute long run um, to his school from my house so it's good it's good I love it are you padded up when you do that as well or do you uh, get rid of the pads at that moment <laughs> I, I often don't have the pads to be honest with you for that but we're definitely always a helmet always a helmet
0: and um, you've obviously got a pretty busy existence I know you're you know you're always in startup mode and you've got a lot going on how do you prioritize taking part in these sports and you know is it something that's a really frequent part of your life these days are you part you, you mentioned before you're part of some different communities does that keep you motivated yeah so I, I I swim and do triathlon competitively
1: um as well so skateboarding and surfing has to fit into that surfboarding is obviously a holiday sport for me I'm not one of those people who can get away with popping off to Bristol to the wave uh, for the weekend or even getting down southwest every time the surf is good. I do it if I can, and it's on the school holidays. And yeah, skateboarding. I'm in the. I'm in a, a in an amazing group called Concrete Waves, which is a big London group of surf skaters. And they're constantly their WhatsApp group is constantly telling people where they're skating. So I spend quite a lot of time just kind of finding where those guys are mainly after work or before work at Stockwell, which is the kind of local big skate park near me. And then yeah, otherwise we just head to the my son and I just head to the park on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon as we would do usually and muck about for a bit.
0: Tell me how you feel when you're perhaps these days, surf skating. How does that make you feel when you're doing them?
1: For me the addictive thing about surfing and skateboarding is all about that feeling of the flow. I guess it's the same as if you're a, if you're a skier. The feeling of a carve turn is amazing. And so for me, it's all about that flow, that rhythm, that kind of movement of your body, I find incredibly addictive. I find it quite hard to think about anything else when I'm either skateboarding or surfing. But I kind of feel like I'm kind of away from the rest of the world and I can kind of not think about, you know, bills to pay or the next you know piece of work that needs to be done, which I find quite liberating.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? Because I think that's actually really underestimated as being a driver for it. But I, I think particularly as women, we have so much mental load all of the time. And those short periods of time where you're not having to think about any of that. And like you say, you're almost forced not to because otherwise you're going to hurt yourself. So you have no choice but to switch off in some way. That can become incredibly addictive, I think.
1: Yes. And I think also, I'm a naturally competitive person. But I think, in most things, when you get certainly get to my age in your 50s, you start to realise that you're never going to run faster. You're never going to swim faster. Whereas I'm still bad enough at skateboarding and surfboarding that I can still progress. So there's one area in my life where I can still keep getting better in spite of the ageing process.
0: So finally, just to finish off, if anyone wanted to get into these sports and perhaps they've got barriers that they're putting up you know to give it a try what advice would you give them
1: well have a look on the skateboard gb website they've got tons of stuff there and they've got an app called my skate and that also has a map of every single skateboard talk in the country go see what's out there or look on gumtree and buy a secondhand board and just just go do it
0: so that was my chat with abba what i found fascinating was the theme of belonging as older women coming into these sports, we sometimes feel like we don't belong. What I love is how ABBA has chosen to just say screw it to that thought and dive in anyway. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, review and share with your friends. We have a big vision for board Women and we want you to be part of it. So check out our upcoming events and how you can get involved at BoredWomen on Instagram and BoardWomen.co. I'll be back in a couple of weeks when I'll be talking to Hayley Lawrence, middle-aged surf mum.